Good morning, Redemption Tempe. Our church is growing tremendously, uh, primarily through procreation. Okay? That's our new church growth strategy. <laughs> uh, but it is awesome. These child dedications getting to celebrate these children that God has given us that we get to be an extended family to together as a church, to be a part of the, these families' lives as we seek to raise them up together as an extended family into life with God. Well, the Vietnamese government sent a team to a rural countryside to investigate. How did this cluster of villages, they wanted to know, move out of poverty? It was one of the most impoverished regions of the country, and yet now everyone there had food, had better health, had housing, and more. The team came back and surprised the officials, with their report saying they're following Jesus. <laughs> they're following Jesus. The government didn't like that answer, so they sent a second team from the University of Hawaii to go, Hanoi to go out and investigate, and that team came back and gave them the same answer and said they're following Jesus. The people are reading the Bible, they're loving and serving their neighbor, and the local churches are transforming the community. The officials asked, well, do they have like some, some big international donors or outside money? They said, no, it's all just coming from their own resources, the local church transforming their community. Revival broke out in this area of Vietnam. Uh, I had the chance to visit there a while back, visit these villages in this area I'm on the board for an organization that was involved training some of the churches and leaders in this region, and I was blown away. That's an understatement. Like 10 years earlier, all of these churches had been persecuted. Like the leaders that we met had all been like thrown in jail or in forced labor camps and all. And yet now, even though they'd only been small, like a dozen or so believers um, in these scattered areas every couple miles, now there were thousands of believers. There were transformed communities. And it all was happening with the blessing of the local government that had once persecuted how did this happen? And how can we see revival here in Tempe? How can we see revival, a fresh wind of God, the fresh move of God here in Chandler and in Gilbert and in Mesa and along this kind of little neck of the woods that we're in where the I-60 and 101 meet and connect? How can we see a move of God here in our area? We are in John chapter 20 this morning in our series on the Gospel of John. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn there to John chapter 20. And what we're going to see today is how the church can transform a community. Jesus, in this passage, he has just risen from the dead, and he sends his followers on a mission. The risen Jesus has a mission for you and I. And you might feel like it's hopeless today, like the world is going south and, man, you just need to kind of hold up and wait for Jesus to come back and fix it. But we're going to see today is that Jesus has given us resurrection power to transform the world. And so we're going to look at how we can access that power and see revival in our city. John chapter 20, let's start in verse 19. We read, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, just stop there for a minute. 
Jewish calendar, the day starts at night. So it's the night of the beginning of the week. It's dark, but the dawn is about to rise. It says, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. The risen Jesus moves us from fear to joy. The risen Jesus moves us from fear to joy. In this scene, this passage, Jesus has risen from the dead, but the disciples don't know that yet. And so before Jesus arrives, the disciples, it says, they are in fear. They are huddled and scared. They are unsure of the future. Well, what are they afraid of? We're told they're afraid of the Jews. Now, the disciples were Jewish. So it's not talking about just the, the Jewish people as a whole, but it's, this is a phrase John uses for the leaders of the day. And so they are afraid of the influencers, the culture makers, those with the authority and the power to hurt them or to push them to the periphery of society. And they're afraid, it says, with the doors locked. They are in a holy huddle trying to protect themselves from the scary world outside. How many of you know if you have a defensive posture towards the world outside, it might be because you've got a dead Jesus. But when Jesus shows up, he changes the game. He is risen and he brings resurrecting, life-changing, transformative power. Two times in this passage, Jesus says, peace be with you. Jesus comes bringing peace. He brings flourishing. He brings shalom. He brings security in the midst of the darkness. The impact on the disciples, it says they were glad, or it could be translated overjoyed. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Their hearts turned from fear to joy. Because the presence of the risen Jesus moves you from fear to joy, from defense to offense, from timidity to courage. These disciples would go on to turn the world upside down, not because of some program they went through or some technique they learned, but because of the presence of the risen Jesus was with them. I saw the church in Vietnam move from fear to joy. Uh, it was interesting as I, I met with these leaders and talked to them, they talked about how five to 10 years earlier they had been enduring persecution. And so every pastor or church leader I met with had been in jail or some in work camps for extended periods of time. A uh, number of the churches, like uh, they had had their homes, the elders of the church had had their homes torn down and they had been beaten up. They showed me the scars from some of the beatings. And can you imagine the fear. Can you imagine the unknown? Like, are we going to make it? They were not afraid because of some comments someone was going to put on their Instagram post, right? Like, like, they were afraid because there was actually a real threat. There were those out there who had the power to harm them and to hurt them. Can you feel the intimidation as they had the doors locked and they were huddled in fear? And yet, they had encountered Jesus and they began to 
pray and they begin to pray bold prayers saying, Jesus, you have transformed our lives. How can we transform our community? And they said that they encountered the presence of the risen Christ in their midst, the one who had given his life for them. And they, they begin to pray, God, how can we embody your love? How can we love and serve our neighbors, even those who are persecuting us? How can we embody your bold love to the world? And what they said was that the presence of Jesus with them, it turned their fear into joy. And they began to dream out of this joy. And uh, the first thing that they felt God kind of called them to as they were praying was, I want you to build a bridge. Not like a metaphorical bridge, a literal bridge. And so they built a bridge. This is a, a, a picture of, of the bridge. And, and I was kind of confused. I'm like, why a bridge? Right? Like, why? I would, I would think maybe clean water or start a food pantry or something. And what's up with the bridge? And so they said, well, here's the issue. They said, all of our neighbors and our community, all of our farmland is on one side of the river. And our homes are on the other side of the river. And so when the rainy season comes and the water rises, we can't access our farms. And that means that our community doesn't have access to uh, our food supply as much of the year. And so uh, what they said was like building this bridge becomes a means where our neighbors and our community will be able to access uh, more agriculture. We can work in the fields more. We can get all that going. And they said prior to this, their community faced starvation for part of the year. There was about four to six weeks a year where the food would run out and they're like, we would survive on grass and leaves and just whatever we could um, muddle together. But now part of the impact was the results were crazy. The food supply rose and starvation ended. Now these bridges were no joke. Uh, they said it took about 50 people from the their church. They got you know some people from this church, another one from one up the road and they all came together and 50 people, it took them two months to build. They used uh, steel and concrete, so this wasn't just like ropes and vines, right? And I was like, well, how'd you get the money? Was it like an international donor, that kind of thing? They said, no, we, we pooled our resources and God provided. I was like, well, how'd you get the expertise? And either, you know, building bridges takes some, <laughs> you gotta know how to do it, right? And one of the guys was like, well, my brother is an engineer in Hanoi, and so we brought him out, and he showed us how, and boom. So, so they did it, and the local officials were going, man, how did you do that, and can you do more? Said, sure. So the local government began providing the supplies, the resources. They built 10 more of these bridges in their area there. Well, the impact was crazy. The local income skyrocketed. And so this is a picture of the average home uh, before uh, this work, if we can throw that picture up on screen. There we go. Uh, they had kept this one as kind of a, a memory of what things had been like five, 10 years earlier. But then this is a picture of the average house seven years later. Next one. And everyone in the area, everyone in the village had these homes because of the impact of this church transforming their community. What they found was the neighbors saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And the local officials going, why are you doing this? And the community asking, tell us more about this Jesus. Now here's the thing, the risen Jesus can move you and I, he can move us from fear to joy, from defense to offense, from a nervous timidity to bold love. Because when you counter the presence of the risen Christ, like what is there to be afraid of? Like sin? He beat it. The principalities and powers, he conquered them. Death itself, Jesus has put death in the grave. 
When you have the presence of the risen Jesus on your side, there is no longer anything to fear. And it instills this joy in us that propels us on mission to share this joy with the world. Now, some Christians today are living in fear of the big bad world outside, right? Look at what the liberals and the conservatives are doing to this country. Ah, you know, man, did you see what they put on my Facebook post? Like, ah, you know, like, man, look at how it's no longer popular to be a Christian. The risen Jesus shows up. He wants us to grow up and to rise up and no longer be living in fear like that, but actually be emboldened by the joy of his gospel and the good news of his victory to embody his love to the world. The reality is, if you have a defensive posture, it probably means you've got a dead Jesus, right? That you can be acting like he's still in the grave, and we can form kind of these holy huddles with our doors locked and worried about the world outside. But when the risen Jesus shows up, he transforms us with his victory. He propels us on mission. And the fuel for mission we find here is joy. It's actually the joy of having encountered the risen Jesus. We don't go on mission out of just like duty or dry duty or oppressive obligation. I guess I got it. Jesus said I had to. No, it's like you've encountered the risen Jesus and you want to share that joy with the world. We find in the gospels that Jesus came to build a bridge. Even better, as amazing as their bridge was, Jesus built an even better, a bridge from heaven to earth. And his end game is to get heaven into earth in you and through you. Jesus wants to build us into the bridge where he is getting the power of heaven into the presence of our little neck of the woods right here, the I-60 and the 101. Jesus wants to bring heaven to earth in Tempe and in our area here. Okay, well, the joy is the fuel, but what is our posture? If joy is the fuel, what is our posture? We read in verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Jesus tells us that we are sent to serve. We're sent to serve. As the Father sent me, uh, I love that word as there, right? Like Jesus sends us in the same way the Father sent him as the Father sent him. That word means in the same way or in a like manner. Uh, So it's worth asking, well, how did the Father send Jesus? What way, what manner in which did the Father send Christ? And we find that Jesus came, he says, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to wash feet and to touch lepers. He came to bind up wounds and to heal the broken. He came to speak truth and to cast out evil. And Jesus sends you and I in the same way. He says here, even in that same way, I am sending you. Jesus wants to carry on his mission through us. And so your mission, Redemption Tempe, should we choose to accept it, is to wash the dirty, is to go to the outcast, it is to speak the truth and to stand against evil, it is to nurse the wounded and to care for the broken. Jesus wants you to kill your enemies with kindness, 
in the same way that the Father sent Jesus, now the Father and the Son send us to embody their serving love for the world. Well, the church in Vietnam, uh, they knew that they were sent to serve. After the bridges, they kept praying, well, how else can we serve our community? And they decided next to build roads. Uh, it was crazy. They built over 100 miles of road connecting the villages to one another and connecting them to the nearby city and all. And um, this is a video of a local pastor that I interviewed uh, explaining why they decided to build these roads. Around here, people could only travel by foot. It was very difficult and very slow. But now we have built roads, so people can travel by motorbike. It's convenient for the church members, but also for the whole community. Even the tribes who have not yet heard and believed, because we also built a road right up to the mountain. When I spoke to my congregation in the church service, I told them, the Lord tells us we are the light of the world, and the light must be turned on so everyone can see. We turn on our light through our goodness in serving the community. Right now, if we go to share the word with new families in different tribes, they will not accept it. But if they see our good works, like building roads, they will be attracted to coming to know the Lord. Before, we only took care of church members and dealt with spiritual matters. The people outside knew very little about the church, so we had no good influence. But now we have activities in the community, like building toilets and buying clothes for the poor. They see that we practice what the Lord teaches us. So they praise the church. And through that, our Lord can be praised. One of the things you see in that video is that I have no gray hair in my beard. <laughs> you go to Vietnam and it makes you younger. It's the sound of life. <laughs> No, but I love how he explains, like, man, we used to think that the gospel was just about spiritual things and doing our church thing off on our own, and then we began to see that, man, the risen Jesus, he is Lord of all of life, and all of life is all for Jesus, as we say here, and, and, and we were called to go out, and we're sent to serve by him in our community. And so he talks about these, these roads, they, they called all these projects they were doing, they called them acts of love. And so they got a bunch of these acts of love going. They're building bridges, they're building roads. He alludes to some of the other things they started doing, like the food pantry, like bringing rice in for those who are hungry to come to the church and get food. Uh, they built, he mentioned toilets. They built hundreds of toilets. And you may be going, why is the church building toilets? Is that like a new Redemption Tempe ministry we're gonna start here and building porcelain? No. Uh, but the significance there was going, they built hundreds of these because of health and sanitation and hygiene stuff in the community, and it radically improved community health. They built over 100 homes, a home for everyone, uh, for every widow and every person with a disability in the community. This is a work project for one of the homes they were building when I was there. I got to meet uh, a, a man who was in a horrible car accident and could no longer work because of the disability that it impacted him with, and, and he was there and, and got to hear his story as they were building this home for him, the local church. And these acts of love, these are the kinds of things where the local officials began going, what is going on? Where the Vietnamese government was saying, how are these villages moving out of poverty with no outside money, with no international donors, just local disciples going, Jesus, how can we serve? You've sent us to serve, how can we serve? And the reality is the risen Jesus has sent you to serve. He sent me to serve. He, the risen Jesus sends us to serve, to be an 
agent of transformation and to share his resurrection life with the world. And it raises the question for us of what kind of posture do you have towards the world? What kind of posture do you have? I believe some Christians today tend to have a default posture of defend, right? Of kind of defense. And we can have kind of a fortress mentality at times. It feels like, man, uh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, so we got to build up the fortress walls and try and get inside and have our holy huddle and just try and be faithful. Maybe pull a few people in if we can to get in here with us, and we wait until Jesus comes and he whisks us out of earth and into heaven. Now, the problem with that is that God's mission is not to get you out of earth and into heaven. It's to get heaven into earth, in you and through you. Like God is on a mission to reconcile heaven and earth. Jesus' mission is to reconcile humanity to God and to one another and to restore creation to himself. And the church as the body of Christ becomes wrapped up in that mission. We receive Jesus' pursuit and we embody that pursuit to the world. There are other Christians today who are going, okay, no, our posture is not to defend, but our posture is to win, right? There can be kind of this system like, all right, we're, we're not going to retreat, but we're going to go forward, and our goal is to win at any cost. And so we will use coercion, we will use manipulation, we will use whatever we need to kind of be in power or to get our way. And so at times we will compromise our ethics in order to try and get cultural influence or political clout. And the problem with this is that the gospel says that the end does not justify the means. And that Jesus' primary calling to his church is not for success, per se, but for faithfulness. And so rather, Jesus is saying here that my posture for you as my church, he's saying, it's, it's not to defend, it's not to win, but as the Father sent me, I am sending you to serve that we are sent to serve, to lay down our lives for our neighbors, to pick up a shovel and build a road to connect our neighbors to one another and ultimately to try and connect them to the presence and the power of the living God. This is why I love our prayer and action groups here. If you're not familiar with these, these are groups here that we have where people come together and they commit to a year. Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna pray together. We're gonna seek Jesus together about this issue that's important that, that we care about. And then we're gonna say, what is concrete action as we learn more about how we can constructively make a difference, not just say anything, but actually do something here in our city. And so uh, many of you have been leading these groups and involved in these groups in areas like sanctity of life and criminal justice here in Tempe and areas like uh, homelessness and areas like working with refugees and areas like health and wellness going, Jesus, we want to seek you and we want to be a conduit for your heavenly presence breaking into our city, all neck of the woods here, to bring transformation and life. You're building roads for the heavenly presence of the risen Jesus to break into pockets of Tempe. Jesus built a road. He made a way to get to you and to I. He picked up a shovel and he served us by laying down his life to make a way that we could be connected to and reconciled with God. And he tells us that love is how we conquer the world, right? Love is the means. Jesus says, they will know you are my disciples by, my lo by your love. So my question is, how's your love today? How is your love for your neighbor, your love for your neighborhood. Is that what we're known for? 
Our desire at Redemption Tempe is that we would have, we would be a church that has a posture to serve our city, to love our neighbors, that this love of God is breaking into our families and our workplaces and our circle of friends and our neighborhoods and, and all that, that we are embodying the heavenly presence of Jesus in the, wherever he's placed us to the point that if, man, if our church blew up tomorrow, if we got wiped off the map of whatever, that our city would miss us because there is the heavenly presence of Jesus transforming community through us as his people. All right, well, <clears throat> it's a beautiful vision, Josh, you might be saying. That's very great, but it's very abstract. It's very idealistic. Uh, man, where do I start? How do we make this concrete? Well, in verse 22, it says, and when Jesus had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. It starts with receiving the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells us here, it starts with receiving the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathes on them. And that's kind of a strange thing. If I were to walk up to you after service out in the lobby or out front and I kind of breathe on you, you know, you would probably be like, dude, what is wrong with you? Especially if I'd just eaten a burrito or something, you know, you might be like, dude, here's some Altoids, right? What is he just doing? Probably it's actually the most beautiful part of this passage. It echoes God's creation of humanity in Genesis 2, where God makes Adam, he forms the human from the clay of the earth, the dust of the ground, and he's got a body, but he's got no life in him. And so God bends down and he breathed into him the breath of life. Jesus here, he is breathing resurrection life into his disciples, into his followers, that although God has given us life, man, our life is expiring because of our sin, our distance, our alienation from God, but Jesus says, conquered that, and now the risen Jesus has come to breathe resurrection life into his people, to restore us to God, to fill our lungs again with the very wind and breath of heaven. Jesus came to breathe life into you. So we talk about mission this morning. Jesus didn't come to, like, make you busy. <laughs> he came to give you breath. So as we talk about where do we start, where do, where do we start with the mission of God, I've discovered that there is so much more power to start with the one thing that is anointed by God, that has the breath of God upon it, than the hundred things that I would do in my own striving and strength. That we can spin our wheels, uh, chalking up the list, like, oh God, here's the things I probably should be doing, and I'm not doing that, I need to be doing this, and, da, da, da. and we can create this big, we talk about mission, we get this big to-do list, and then we get burnt out, we're just like, ah, it, it didn't work crumple up the list and throw it in the wastebasket, right? The place to start this morning is just go, what's that one thing? It's that one thing for the Church of Vietnam. It started with a bridge, right? I don't think we're going to build a bridge. I don't know. Yeah, Tempe Town Lake, it's got, it's got one, right? <laughs> but, but what's the one thing he has for us? What's the one thing he has for you? Because the thing that God has for you that has his breath his wind, his spirit, his power, his anointing on that thing, it has the power to transform and unleash kingdom presence into your community, into your relationships. 
Jesus says here that when you receive his breath, his life, you become part of his mission. He says, some kind of strange for me. He says, uh, you know, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And some can be confused by that, like, what's, what's going on? Well, Jesus is not saying here that all forgiveness comes from you now and not from Jesus, right? That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is this is how powerful Jesus' spirit is, how close Christ's identification with you is, is that you have become his ambassador to bear his presence, to bring his life-giving and forgiving presence and power to the world. Jesus has through the power and presence of the Spirit, he has wrapped up his reputation, his identity, and his mission of bringing forgiveness to the world in and through you, his people. The church in Vietnam, they didn't just build roads, they brought the forgiveness of God. They brought the forgiveness of God. It was crazy to see how the church has exploded there in this area over the last decade. That the church, there was a church now every few miles, uh, whereas before it had just been like a dozen believers here and then go way, way, way out and another dozen believers. Now it was like a new church every few miles with about 300 to 500 people each. I was there on a Sunday and riding on the back of a motorbike to church, right? And it was, it was crazy seeing hundreds and hundreds of people walking through the fields, singing praises to Jesus on their way to church together to worship him to lift them up together, and to learn more about him. This transformation, the church had gone from persecution to thriving, from church leaders being thrown in jail to being given Citizen of the Year awards. From uh, There were reconciliation ceremonies where officials were acknowledging and apologizing for the mistreatment before and saying that they wanted to learn more about Jesus. I talked with people whose lives had been changed who said, man, we don't just have more rice and food now, we have the bread of life. We don't just have a road, we have encountered Jesus the way, the truth, and the life. We don't just have a, a latrine to make things cleaner, we have experienced cleansing from our sin and our guilt and our shame. We don't just have a nicer house, we have an eternal home with the Father. Not only do we have a concrete bridge, we now have Jesus, the heavenly bridge, who has brought heaven to earth here in our village. Not only do we have a better lifestyle, they said, we have encountered the eternal love of God. And I know if you were to press them on it, if you had to choose one of them, they would have said this, but we've experienced the forgiveness of God in Jesus. Jesus' goal is not just to make your neighbor's life better. It's to reconcile them with God. And our part in all this, it starts with receiving the Holy Spirit. It starts with receiving the Holy Spirit. If we want to see revival in Tempe and in Chandler and in Gilbert and in Mesa, if we want to see the fresh move of God, wind of God here in our little neck of the woods where the I-101 and the 60 come together in this, this patch that God has given us to tend, it starts with receiving the Holy Spirit. It starts with Jesus blowing his fresh wind of his spirit through us into our community. What would it look like for the 
breath of God, for the resurrection wind of Jesus to actually blow through and transform and bring revival and new life, both physical and spiritual, both public and to see the life of Jesus lifted up and bring transformation here in our neck of the woods. What would it look like to see the wind of God in McClintock High School and, and Intel to see revival on Mill Avenue and the Dobson Corridor at Mesa Community College and down in City Hall and in Papago Park. What is going to get there is not some program that we start. It's not some technique we learn. It's not some book you read. It is not some podcast that we all listen to. No, what is going to get us there is not our programs. It's going to be Jesus's presence. We need the presence of the risen Christ to blow through our city, to actually move in us and through us, to turn our fear into joy and to compel and propel us out in sacrificial service to see the life of Jesus transform our city. Well, what do we do then? Well, a couple of things. One is, man, that's why we've been doing these renewal nights, this Wednesday, we're having our next renewal night, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. I want to invite you to come because what we're basically saying is, Jesus, we want to see renewal and it needs to come from you. This is a chance for us to gather together before Jesus and to worship him and to lift him high and to recognize him and to cry out and to go, Jesus, we want to see the fresh wind of your spirit blow in our lives and through our church and in our city. Jesus, we want to experience the life of God, the breath of God, your presence bringing resurrection renewal here into our little neck of the woods. We want to see heaven come to earth here in Tempe. So I want to invite you to come out this Wednesday with that kind of a posture, with that kind of a hunger going. This isn't just some like a church thing we do, whatever. This is us creating space to call out and cry out to Jesus, going, man, we, we can't do this, Jesus, on our strength. We want to see your strength move and blow through us. But we don't have to wait until Wednesday. Right? Uh, I want us to take some time to pray right now as the, the band comes up. And, and as we pray, I want you to take some time to listen to the voice of Jesus. Going, Jesus, what is the one Thing. Not the hundred things, not the big task list, not the big to-do list, but what's the one thing you would have for me that has the anointing, the blessing of your presence, your spirit upon it? So just, man, and where, where has God wired you? Where, does he have, where do you want to see the Holy Spirit move? And so if you would join me, let's eyes closed, heads bowed, just in a posture of reverence before Christ. Jesus, you are... Alive as we come to worship today, we don't worship a dead Jesus. We worship you, the risen Christ. And you have given us your spirit. So God, we want to take some time to listen this morning. And I pray for each of us in this room. I ask that you would minister to us, Jesus, as your people, that you would bring to mind or to light maybe a, a thought in our mind. For some of you, it might be an issue. Maybe it's that thing that you've been feeling for years. Man, the church should be doing more in this area there's something that, man, God's people should be involved in doing something out here. And maybe it's that area and the conviction the Spirit wants to bring you going, you are the church. That's probably an area he's calling you to help lead and to step into and to serve. For others of you, it might not be an issue. It might be a, a street 
that you live on or a street in your neighborhood. It could be a particular person that God is calling you to invite this week and to reach out and invite to coffee. It could be your workplace and fresh vision for how you are and who you are within your vocation. Let's take a moment and let's listen. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would bring to mind where you want to blow through each of our lives into your city here. Take a moment to listen. I want to invite you to do something that that we don't normally do as we stay here in this posture of prayer, and that is uh, to pull out your phone. I'm going to say pull out your phone during prayer. (laughs) Pull out your phone and and to make a note. Pull up your notepad, pull up an email, pull whatever, but make a note and just jot down what was that place, what was that person, what was that issue that the Spirit of God was bringing to mind. I invite you to jot that down right now and to store it somewhere where you can bring it back next week, because come back next week, we're going to have a surprise, something that we're doing as a church together and And yet before we do that next week, that surprise, (laughs) we want to take this time to this morning and this week to start with prayer and go, man, Jesus, we want to receive your spirit. I want to invite you, even if you would be so bold, as we stand in this posture of prayer, to even say it out loud. Feel free to to be bold and to to call out. Maybe it's the name of a person. Maybe it's the name of the street. Maybe it's the name of a place. But um, man, let's, let's... Call it out. Jesus is here. He can hear us. His presence is with us. And so would you be so bold as to call out, to say out loud the name of that person or place or thing that God has brought to mind. The invitation this week, even with that that note that you've jotted down, is to to this week to take time and prayer, set a time every day, maybe it's just a minute, whatever, but to take that place and to bring it before Jesus and say, Jesus, we want you here. We want you here in this issue. I want you here in this relationship with this person. I want you here in this, this place that I'm at. We want you here. Jesus, we bring these things before you. We lay them at your feet. We bring them before you. And God, I pray that you would blow, God, your resurrection life. God, give us the fresh wind of your spirit to move in our lives and through us, God, to bring transformation, Lord. Like you've done Vietnam, like you're doing all around the world, God, would you turn our fear into joy, Lord? God, would you move us from a posture of defense to offense, from simply trying to win rather to going to serve, God? And God, we believe that it all starts not in our strength, but through your spirit. So we look to you and we declare our dependence on you for that. It's in your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. As we come to worship this morning, my question for you is, do you believe that Jesus can transform our city? I was fascinating that while in Vietnam they had said, hey, five years ago, you wouldn't have even been allowed to be here because of the hostility towards the Christian faith and anyone from the outside was seen as a potential threat. But now this is seen not as an outside, this is seen as our religion, this is seen as something uh, uh, for our community. And if Jesus can do it there, he can do it here. He can do it 
in our lives. And so Jesus, we want you here. We wanna see you move in our church and in our lives and in our city. As we come to the table this morning for communion, we come to Jesus who was sent to serve you. Jesus was sent by the Father to lay down his life for us. And so as you come to the bread, remember this is his body given for you. And the wine, that this is a sign of his blood shed for you. Jesus did not have a posture of defense, kind of holding up in heaven and just kind of whatever. Jesus, no, he came and he came to serve, to lay down his life and to conquer the world, yes, but through sacrificial love. He went to the scariest place so that you and I could no longer live in fear but could be driven by his joy. So would you rise and would you stand? And we want to worship Jesus this morning. We don't worship a dead Jesus. We worship the risen Christ and we worship him. The invitation is to worship him with the joy because he is the one who has laid down his life and served us that we could find new life and power.